0: Internet, why'd you have to spill your beans? My name is Matthew Kroll. And should pale death with
1: triple dread, make the ocean caves our bed. God who hears the surges roll, deign to save the suppliant soul.
0: My name's Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, eventually. Eventually, we'll get there. <laughs> about the film, the lighthouse.
1: Hey, right, look, Robert Eggers Iger, Robert writes some long dialogue, so you know I want I want to pay homage. You're
0: doing it. You're to the doing man, it. And I, and I you're to be honest with well. you,
1: to be honest with you, it's great dialogue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to be chatting about this great dialogue all by our twosome.
1: No, we're going to be uh, we're going to turn this little soirée into a threesome. Yeah, because otherwise so, that's
0: where madness lives. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. <laughs> if we did this on our own, uh, you descend to madness. Yeah. This, well, yeah. I mean, all our cisterns would be full of. Shit. <laughs>
0: get to the intro <laughs>
1: <laughs> We are glad to be joined by one half of the Oeuvre Busters podcast. George Fragropoulos, welcome to the show. Uh, it took me five turns to get your name right, so I apologize. You nailed that. it. But uh, see, now they'll never know because how smooth the edit. Yeah, is. Yeah,
2: of course. Yeah. Liam, Liam uh, botches my name all the time. So does he really? What it. does he
1: call you on the side? On oh, the I mean,
2: like so many things. So many things that I can't probably repeat on... George on, Frangelino? Yeah, George <laughs> Frangelino. That's a good one, yeah. yeah. Frangel-
1: um, Frangelica? Is that the... Is Frangelica... That the, yeah.
2: Uh, fragile heart, yeah. it Calls me a lots loss. I of like
1: fragile
0: things. heart. Fragile heart yeah. sounds like uh, again we, before we started recording, we were talking a lot about <laughs> Final Fantasy VII. We I were, feel like yeah. there could be a character called Fragile Heart in a Final Fantasy, without question. Yeah,
1: or you could be like uh, one of the most uh, empathetic characters in Fraggle Rock.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow,
2: Fraggle Rock, keeping it old school.
1: George, you are an assistant professor of literature. Is that correct?
2: Literature, yeah. At actually, associate professor now. Oh, okay. Yeah, you are. An associate... was recently promoted. So,
1: actually, tell me, like, explain that to me. I, I don't know oh, the. God the I mean, the the hierarchy system. Are you
0: tenured yet? Like, I thankfully
2: you? I'm tenured. Yeah, yeah, which means I could say irresponsible things on this podcast and not get fired. Perfect. Whoa, nice. Um, but we, we can't either. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but a prerequisite. Those hierarchies are just completely an orderly me- meaningless. I was, yeah. But I am technically an associate professor of English. Okay. Yeah, at and Queensborough Community College. But you did your uh, your PhD in in twentieth and twenty first century American poetry, oh. which is kind of weird, right? Because like, well, why am I on all these movie podcasts? I should be on like <laughs> on these poetry. Podcasts. Podcast, but I, there are no poetry podcasts i though. think
0: you found you i think you found a niche yeah i think so you gotta
2: get that moving exactly
0: patreon.com yeah. slash whatever you want to call your poetry podcast got to figure
2: out a name for that yeah
1: <laughs> yeah but, but i mean poetry is i mean cinema is visual poetry right i mean is that kind of what we're talking you,
2: about totally well it's, yeah i guess certain film directors i guess kind of more in that realm than others like mm-hmm. obviously malik is often kind of taught yeah
1: poetic in a sense although which is ironic because the th- the one thing that we have talked about the most is probably mission impossible three <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah yeah. We're <laughs> together yeah also
0: <laughs> poetry I don't know why poetry in d- motion yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, no but what what is your uh, I mean your underlying interest is poetry but like I guess I'm curious have you ever seen that interest reflected in cinema in some way other than Malick or even films about poets or?
2: well yeah I mean I guess the first thing that comes to mind is kind of uh, Cocteau's films like what? the Orpheus yeah, films yeah, which yeah. are obviously cinema very much about poetry, poetry and yeah yeah, um, and also just about poets as well so yeah. you, I guess you don't really see poets represented that much on screen there's there was a, that recent Adam Driver film which I haven't seen. Right? Oh yeah, the
1: the one um, uh, Patterson, New York, right? right the Jim yeah. Jarmusch film. There's a wonderful South Korean film called Poetry um, mm-hmm. by um, Lee Chang Dong, uh, which is about this uh, uh, this uh, mother whose child may have committed a crime, but who takes up a poetry class and she has to write these poems in order to like express how she's yes. feeling. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's Wonderful. But I but that's not the kind of poetry, I guess, you're sort of, you know, like that's a sort of more domestic poetry. <laughs> I mean, American 20th century poetry. Who are you, who, are you, who are you thinking about?
2: Oh, my God. I mean, there's so many. Name- well, Williams, Carlos Williams is like interesting to think about also because obviously he's a, like associated with Patterson, in New Jersey. And I haven't seen the Jarmer's film, but obviously like those are kind of the echoes that I think. That film is clearly playing on. But I mean, there's like so many poets of like I mean, Langston Hughes, um, like Gertrude Stein. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just like so many names. Yeah.
1: And we're gonna be we're gonna be discussing a few of the classics
2: yes. on this on this particular film. Yeah, book. yeah. Well, a which, bit of what, Coleridge. Right? What's really interesting about Edgars and like the two mm-hmm. films he's made so far is that they are very literary. Yeah. And yeah. They're clearly indebted to uh, like the American literary tradition in a variety of different ways. So it's funny while I was watching this film, I was like, holy shit, like I would love to see this guy make a Moby Dick. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, and I think this is kind of his Moby Dick. Yeah. In a certain way, it would kind of be a, like derivative, I think, if he did make that film. Yeah. I, but I was like, I really would be interested to in see him like tackle like one of those great like novels, American novels.
1: Yeah. On the, on the other side of it, what's the like, you know, what's the most... Uh, uh, what's the pleasure that George gets wa- at home watching like the, the dumbest movies possible? <laughs> what, what what is what is the thing that you're just happy doesn't to turn on? It doesn't have to be but, dumb. Just uh, could be uh, something
0: you like. Yeah. Just
2: uh, yeah, yeah. G- like dumb movies? No, it just doesn't have, just have to be dumb. dumb. General. I mean, what, like, what do I, I look I for li- in I, cinema?
1: I, I, li- I listen to your podcast, and you guys run the gamut from Cassavetes to to
2: A, a Long So yeah. I'm kind of
1: like, I'm curious, what do you take the most pleasure in?
2: Yeah, I guess I'm just kind of interested in film like in the most general sense as an aesthetic medium. Right. So anything anytime I can see something and be like I've never seen that before on the screen, yeah, I'm captivated by it. Right. Um and I guess like I you know, I I like I like challenging films. I'm like, I could, I love art house films, but also, yeah, there's something really satisfying about watching like Tom Cruise run <laughs> it's and a... jump on shit. And then you're like, oh my God, he's really like on that fucking plane. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What <laughs> is he doing? He's going to die. <laughs> so yeah, I run to the gamut. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you run the full gamut. Uh,
1: well, thank you very much for joining yes. us. We're excited to be talking about Robert Egger's film, uh, The Lighthouse, which I think is basically the last film on the poll that I ran of uh, films we should be discussing, and I kind of we now have to get off the poll. We do have to get off the poll. I'm glad we did Hustlers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, uh, I'm excited for you to talk about this film as well. This is a uh... why would I do? Uh, well, you know, you're just you're, you're you. Uh, fair. <laughs> you're okay, you. no, but also you're coming from. Uh, you're wearing an extra history t shirt right now, and one of the one of the uh, parts of your job is uh, extra mythology, right? That which is I, true. Which I believe will fall like in
0: the uh, Venn
1: diagram of of the
0: interests that surround this film. The first two episodes of extra mythology under my tenure were on Prometheus. Oh, ah. yeah. So, so that's a that's a weird, wild, long-ass myth.
1: Well, here's the thing. I know very little about Prometheus other than it was that terrible Ridley Scott <laughs> film. Um,
0: the, the, the moral <laughs> of the story of Prometheus is if a giant rolling spaceship is coming at you <laughs> and you're Charlize <laughs> Theron, just turn left or right. Yeah, just was, turn left or right. Yeah, And if you'll you, be fine.
1: If you can steal light, just run in Diagonals. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And, uh, and don't piss off ancient alien races That's pretty much the uh, hubris is bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to start this episode off with an email from
1: Zeus, a.k.a. Baby dread who is one of our favorite listeners, uh, who write, who wrote us in basically an email about this film, but we couldn't quite open it until we'd seen it. He, he wrote us in yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and he's been writing it about how infuriating it is that sometimes we'll, like, he, he'll get really excited to do a movie, and then we'll kind of jump around it for a while. So Lighthouse was one that he saw really early on knowing that we would eventually do it sorry Baby Dread sorry Baby Dread but we're very happy we can finally get to it Uh, I'm going to read out Zeus's email right now which is I'm still not sure if I like The Lighthouse I very much enjoyed watching it outside of the technical aspects of the film I really enjoyed the descent into madness that the characters go through as well as the humor interwoven within it despite all of that I'm not sure I'd want to watch this movie again. I'm not sure if I would get much more out of this movie. After watching this movie, the guy sitting next to me got up and said, what the fuck is this shit? (laughs) (laughs) He stormed off. The reason I bring up that is uh, that it reminded me of my own reaction to Midsommar, coincidentally another sophomore movie produced by A24. I feel like both movies are cut from the similar cloth, but for whatever whatever reason, I enjoyed this one much more. Anyway, that's not really my question. (laughs) Apparently... People are reading this as a story, as the story of Prometheus, which I didn't really see. In fact, I thought all of the supernatural elements were symbolic and didn't literally happen. What I saw was two guys hanging out on an island for months being not gay because they fight before they embrace. What's your take on this Prometheus reading of the movie? Thank you, Baby Dredd. Uh I hope we can answer that and, uh, and more questions for you uh, this entire episode. Matt, could you tell us what The Lighthouse is about?
0: Oh, I can tell you what IMDB t- says The Lighthouse is about. Uh, two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. 1890s. Now, Matt, you're from New like England, right? This is so with the witch. <laughs> yeah. and Also, this Eggers loves <laughs> New Hampshire. He's from there. Right? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe so. If yeah. not, I don't know why. But I mean, it's a beautiful state. I think he, if he wasn't from there, he's more than welcome. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that there's these two sort of uh, older times films mm-hmm. set in, in basically like The Witch. Literally, just for uh, reference, could have taken place in my backyard just in that time period. Yeah. Like it. That's and in that in my brain, I'm like, oh shit, because I used to a explore the woods. We had a. Um, uh, we owned a few acres, but then, like, there was just acres of forest that mm-hmm. nothing was there back when I was young. And I would just spend days and into the night, like, into the woods. So they weren't terrifying. Uh, they, oh, they were, but, like, I don't know. Are you the witch? <laughs> uh, don't or bring, one of them? Don't yeah. bring yeah. children. Yeah. Uh, no, the. I don't know. It wasn't scary. It, you do a It black was the cat, good kind though. of. I do own a black cat. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff's c- coming together. <laughs> yeah. Uh it, it it was it more enjoyable than it was scary and by the end of it i felt like i knew the safe parts of the woods mm-hmm. and the not safe parts of the woods and you kind of like have that sort of not to get too i, I don't know if it's like hippy dippy or like whatever but like if you respect the forest and you're not an idiot you do pretty well out there if you know where you're going and you don't get lost. Yeah. Uh, but so sure I, with the witch, I just I loved that too. And now, uh, <laughs> now Jamie, my girlfriend, who's from Maine, obviously synonymous with lighthouses, uh, which we oh. both saw the film together. It's all very New England stuff. It is. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I was, I love that about these two films. As far as, oh, sorry. Oh, uh, the I was gonna say just to talk to a little bit more to uh, to Baby Dred's question of the Prometheus reading. Um, there's definitely imagery taken from Prometheus, and we'll get to more specifics as we totally. talk about it. And you can read one of the main tenets of the film as the same type of Promethean thing. I don't really believe, uh, and, and Shahir, if there's a quote completely proving me wrong, let's shoot it down right now if I say the wrong thing. If you have like nine uh, director quotes in front of you or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but I would say that it's, it's more like borrowing cool shit from Prometheus and more imagery and not necessarily like... Super tenants of it because yes, the Prometheus myth is uh Prometheus stealing fire and then being punished, uh, by being chained to the rock. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that happens in and around that in the myth, there's so much that happens that like the meaning behind the myth. If this movie was based on Prometheus and it was supposed to be like a, a thing for it, I would be highly disappointed in this film because it doesn't touch on any of the tenants that Prometheus is actually about. Yeah, it just has the imagery which is cool. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I just think that they, like, kind of borrowed a lot of stuff from a lot of different places and made their own thing.
2: George, I mean, you teach... I
1: mean, do you teach Greek
2: mythology? I do point? not teach Greek... But, I mean, I know, uh, like, a, a fair amount. Yeah. And it's interesting... I agree with Matt, though, too. The the film's use of mythology is more of, like, a picking and choosing of, like, cool aspects of it and yeah. kind of bringing those things together. I mean, while I was watching this, I was, like, really thinking about how interesting it is as, like, kind of, like, pastiche, right? Because, again, he's really good at borrowing from a variety of different sources and kind of bringing them together and making them kind of work. So, yeah, like the mythology doesn't like seamlessly overlap with what's happening with these two dudes. And the film is, I think, more so about, obvi- obviously, about like their relationship yeah. and the kind of the fact that at times it extrapolates itself onto this kind of like much larger like mythological question or yeah. questioning. Yeah. It works on some levels, and at other times, it's like this is not like yeah. what's happening. And when we talk about spoilers later, I'll explicitly say why that I feel like that's the case. Yeah,
0: the same. I was gonna say my my full answer to this question will have to come in yeah, spoiler territory, totally. but this is my preamble.
1: I, I mean, I guess my only thing there is—is is I wonder. There's not many films that are direct translations of Greek myth. I mean, the only Correct. thing I can kind of think of off the top of my head is "Oh Brother, We're Out There," which is meant to be the Odyssey, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but but even that takes you know. Uh, well, Jason. Yeah. Well,
2: you have like Jason the Argonauts. Ja- I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean there's <laughs> some classics.
0: Yeah, there's some classics. Is that the animated skeletons uh, movie? I mean, yeah, I I mean, d- yeah, yeah, and then they re-
2: made they made a like a uh, new one, right, a couple of years ago. That's kind of pure trash. Did they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, or yeah. Clash of the Titans. Sorry. They made Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it was.
1: Yeah, was uh, was it Wrath of Was there Wrath of the Titans? There was a Wrath of the Titans. Was that the sequel? Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay, I I see. Look, (laughs) I'll be honest with you. You know, like I grew up in a you know reading the classics, but I but for some reason Greek the Greek traditions was not. Part of my, uh, part of my homework. You know, Mm -hmm. I I just didn't read a lot of Greek mythology.
0: Did you watch Hercules: The Legendary Journeys?
1: (laughs) Filmed not far from where I know. That's not not technically true. Uh, Closer than where
0: I lived. Here's the thing. Never watched this. Whoa! I never I, all my
2: memories of watching that now are totally ruined by what Kevin Sorbo has turned into, by the way. Sure, yeah. But but, but, but at the time But
0: Kevin Sorbo was Hercules. <laughs> he like was. just he 100 percent was, and then there was obviously Zena, which is less And there, Anthony
2: but, Quinn was Zeus.
0: Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. He, was yes.
2: He, yeah. Oh. He was in that show for I think maybe only the pilots.
0: No, Zeus showed up every once. Did he? A while. Yeah, I mean, wow. well, that show did what all of those serialized shows did and kind of flew off the rails and jumped night sharks like mm-hmm. by the time it got to season four. That's
2: so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It can't yeah. be, yeah. Uh, uh
0: and then Zena, and like I love Zena, but the um yeah uh, th- that's uh, uh, my intro to well I Your intro to Greek It's actually because drug Hercules is <laughs> technically Roman Heracles is the Greek name if I'm uh correct but the yes the mythology is, yeah. You're talking yeah, to is,
1: you both of you are talking to a blank slate here so we can tell him anything <laughs> you <can> tell me <laughs> mind mind. whatever Greek nonsense mythology. yeah I mean, I basically I did a, a quick scan of a couple of wiki pages before I got here, <laughs> and that's about my history that of uh,
2: of uh, Greek mythology. More than enough yeah. research. <laughs> <laughs> that's my question. That's how I prep for classes, by the way. I'm like, oh, what do I have to teach? Like, uh, I should go to Wikipedia and like brush up uh, Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll get there eventually. <laughs>
1: so I'm curious, uh, George. I think you know your uh, general first takes of this movie. You
2: know, like you know,
1: had, had you seen The Witch?
2: I have seen The Witch. Loved it. I've seen it twice. Um, I love this movie. Right. Yeah. I was totally, totally taken by it, was gripped by it. I was taken by the claustrophobia. I was taken by the luscious, like black and white. It was like beautiful, horrifying, terrifying. I loved all the things I had to say, perhaps about like the American Gothic and the American sublime, like the shots of like the landscapes were amazing. When have you also posted or made like a connection between this and Bergman?
1: Uh, yes, I, I, okay. I, I, as part of my research, well, I just happened to have a copy of Persona that um, I was like, that I yes. cracked open just thinking yeah, about.
2: Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. So. And it was like, oh my God, you're like, you're totally right. This is kind of a version of Persona, which yeah. we should definitely also talk about. But another myth also that came up, and we talked about this a little bit over email was, um, Uh, Coleridge's The Rime of the Ancient Mariner yeah which we could also talk about at some point too so and that's kind of like what I was saying a little bit earlier too about how this film is kind of like pastiche where he's like really borrowing from a lot of different sources
1: I think one of the things we should kind of and for the
2: best in my opinion
1: well I, I completely agree I think you know like you can you know I was thinking about Bergman, you were thinking about Samuel Taylor Coleridge you know and I think and I, I think Matt maybe you were thinking most about Prometheus at this point but I'm curious if we can if we as a, a as a conversation tonight can kind of figure out what the combination of those things do for for what this film is trying to say or what this film is trying to do because mm-hmm. I think for me ultimately, while i thoroughly enjoyed my time at the, at the movies um th- there's sort of one th- my takeaway has to do primarily with like robert eggers the auteur, mm-hmm. and and thinking about like his body of work which is only two films at this point and a short film um but i think the the thing that i thought was tricky for me was that i found the witch was kind of a perverse triumph at the end you know like like the 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 final moments of the witch are perversely triumphant
0: oh yeah no she rocks it she wins yeah
1: she wins and and it's kind of like the the perverseness of it is a wry sort of nod to uh either a new world order or a criticism of the world order as we understand it mm-hmm. uh, a, you know not just puritanicalism but but also you know the the sense of where a woman's place is in the world um but but the ending of this film without giving away spoilers to me was kind of a perverse failure and mm-hmm. and and a, a sort of um a sort of reflection of what a failure looks like, and without to me, I couldn't quite. I I don't think I quite wrapped my head around what that the the that failure in a symbolic sense represented for this movie, like for what this movie was trying to say. There was something I could completely wrap my head around with the witch, and I and I mm-hmm. instantly got it. This was not one of those cases. So I'm really curious if we can, you know, w- other than just discussing whether we liked or disliked the film and you know elements of it, you know, because obviously. Iggers is masterful, you know, like his his command of cinema language in particular, his command of actually writing a New England New England um, <laughs> old town sea captain kind of uh, vernacular is remarkable, uh, and that he gets away with doing it on a sort of broader scale is kind of amazing. But but does this film kind of succeed on the sort of thematic level that I felt that the witch did? I'm not
0: exactly sure. Well, I was going to say just sort of in my sort of first thoughts of this movie. I think I'm probably gonna come down on a little bit less of an enjoyment factor than even the both of you. Uh, I liked it fine, like I when I was in the theater, uh, I was engaged and I, w- I think the performances were brilliant. I loved the 4x3 and the way that they decided like the type of black and white they decided to do it's basically like real old timey style like where it wasn't you, we never saw any reds turned to black and white they just used um, they all the other they did
1: shoot this on film so the double X uh, but they, camera but, negative oh. but the way that they did it yeah mm-hmm. like yeah. The, to
0: make the, the, the blacks feel a certain way
1: Anachromatic, An- yeah, a- anachromatic. anachromatic filter on top of it because of the, fil- the way the film kind yeah. of photographs.
0: Um, uh, it was beautiful. It made you feel exactly how they wanted you to feel. Like, and, you know, the, the two characters are, uh, I mean, I'm a sucker for Defoe, but Pattinson... Uh, uh, Is Pattinson different. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I think they both did a great job. But I did find myself when I was leaving it not having the experience that when I say Left the Witch or uh, my sort of de facto movie of sort of this, I won't say style, but like when something is trying to maybe possibly paint an allegorical picture of something or whatever, I always go back to mother, um, the lowercase m, then the, the exclamation point yeah, mother, yeah, yeah. Um, as my sort of gold bar. But I know that's a divisive film as well, because you either love that movie or you fucking hate it. And I can't actually prove any one way or the other. I just happen to love it. Um, so so when I left, this the-, when I left the theater... I was just kind of done with it. Uh-huh. Like I didn't. I and I. I it was weird. I, for this is the first film in a while where I wanted to actively like engage and think about it. And every time I did, in a minute or so, I'm just like, eh. Like I didn't. Uh-huh. I didn't have a hook. I didn't have a thing. So I'm like, I do feel like actually to to Baby Dread's point in his e- in his email. By the way, email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at onlymoviepod. <laughs> um, I, 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 I was like, I saw it. And I'm actually interested, uh, because you've seen it twice. I I, I do want to, actually, I'll I'll toss to you now. In seeing it twice, are there things that you felt you gleaned more of the second time around? Uh, Because I it didn't challenge me enough or didn't entice me enough to want to go back and look for more answers if they existed. Yeah. <laughs> I, so
2: seeing it the second time, did I get anything that I feel I didn't get the first time? No. But I did enjoy it so much the first time that going back, I was like, okay, I get why I enjoyed this the first time. Gotcha. And also to what Shahir said in terms of like the witch... And I think what this does share with the witch is that they are indictments of certain aspects of society. Yes, mm-hmm. that I think for me made the film like successful. So like this kind of the way in which this film ends and the note on which it ends, yes, it doesn't have this kind of triumphant, even a perverse um, triumph. You know, like per- I, yeah, yeah, it doesn't have that at all, right? Yeah. But I think that's part of the. I mean, I think that's like an essential message of the film. I think what's interesting about Eggers is that he's looking at these kind of American mythologies and he's looking at these like moments in American history, and he's in. Not necessarily like updating them, but he's attempting to bring a critical, like twenty first century eye to those moments, yeah, and to kind of reevaluate those mythological um strains of like American ideology, let's say. so
1: could you I mean, I think just you know, like as a thesis statement, could mm-hmm. you make an argument for what the lighthouse is attempting to say totally about, ok.
2: It is about compulsory heterosexuality.
1: Compulsory heterosexual. Yeah. Sexuality. So the okay. fact
2: that these two dudes can't fuck one another is—is is is, what dooms them.
1: Yeah. That—that that is actually ah. a reading. That's a reading that I got out of the film right away. Totally. Was like yeah. this is Brokeback Mountain with with a, a, a complete lack of uh, uh, sex. No. Well, w- with a complete. <laughs> Uh, lifting of the repression. You know, yeah, like, that yeah. that's the exactly. problem that these two men have. I was like, if these two dudes just and, fucked...
2: And that's why I mentioned Moby Dick, too, yeah. which is, yeah. like, just saturated with homoeroticism, and that's why I was like, oh, but he already kind of, like, this is his Moby Dick, if you yeah. think about it through, like, the lens of, like, homoeroticism.
0: I totally agree with it, but then I have the also question of this. Is it... You know, this is getting re- really complex in a sort of, like, spectrum of sexuality, but, like, does the sexual desire... Come from the fact in, or is it is within the in the um in the the meaning that you've just sort of described? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it supposed to be representational of two men that feel in life that they couldn't be with the man? or is it something along the lines of sort of almost like, and this I feel falls more on the spectrum side of things, whereas human beings want physical and emotional connection, and if you are trapped with only one other human being that happens to be of a sexual or uh, gender or orientation that does not culturally match with yours, that brings on to uh, the dark times. Yeah. Like, Is it like, which out of those, if, if either of those, do you think this is trying to do, like, it in that uh, in that read of it.
2: Yeah. Well I so going back and seeing it the second time, one thing that caught my attention this time that didn't the first time is that speech like very early on where Defoe says where he talks about how he's no longer married. Yeah. And he says something like, Oh, I spent thirteen Christmas is yeah, at forgive sea me. and she couldn't forgive me. Yeah. And at that like thinking about uh, it, I was like, Oh I was like, Why is he like so eager to yeah. like just be on the sea? And obviously he so says like, Oh, it's because I just love being like a seaman, right? I love being on the sea. I was like, Well bullshit, you know, yeah. like <laughs> And he's the one also that makes the move, yeah, yeah, and our Pat's is like we're not doing this, yeah. And our yeah. Pat's, of course, is kind of like seduced by this, literally by like the siren, yep. and by yeah. like the image of the mermaid.
1: I, I mean, is there a history of the mermaid? You know, because the mermaid mythology obviously has to do with men alone at sea, kind of conjuring an image that is more sexually palatable. The sirens than what... and
0: mermaids are different, though. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, the, yeah. the well,
2: but yeah, the, there's the like the a sl- forbid, there's overlap, though. Yeah, but right? I, mean, yeah. I
0: would say that this is a distinct siren. Well, there's a mermaid. <laughs> yes, we but see a mermaid but she looks shiny. like a mermaid but it's but doing siren-esque it's, siren. it's doing siren-esque thing. again it what, goes back to the him?
1: I mean yeah, she, yeah she's yeah. calling to oh, yeah, she totally.
0: screeches she does yeah. a lot like there's there's um yeah it, it's interesting how there is like again it's a moment of overlap there's nothing wrong with it it's yeah. just there's there's a distinction yeah.
2: well it, also like the, the totem that he finds also yeah. in the yeah. bed right that he pulls out which obviously you could say is like is a calling card yep. like to her so she's like calling him right from the very very beginning and it
1: becomes like a he uses it as a masturbation tool at some point right like yeah uh, i mean I, I the history of the mermaid mythology i wonder if the underlying if there is a if there is any read of the uh, the underlying Mythology being a a form of rep- rep- repressed sexuality.
0: I think it's a I think it's a repressive, th- especially the siren sort of uh, mythology. Depending on how you want to look at it, it's basically. I'm gonna real paraphrase this and, and dumb it down to my level. It's just shitting on women. Yeah, like it's it's saying like women are evil because they'll make you do shit. Whether it's whether it's screaming at you to do a thing you don't want to do or calling you to your death. Like it's a very sort of patriar- patriarchal, patriarchal, uh, uh, mythological aspect uh, here. I don't know if I don't think that's exactly what they're doing with it, but I'll say on on the whole, all of these sort of like. G- uh, female sexually attractive creature things yeah, that yeah. cause men trouble. Like it's like, oh, men can't help them. It's there's a lot to unpack. There.
2: Well, the one, tr- yeah, and the one thing obviously also with the representation of feminine sexuality in this film too is, which is a very typical like horror movie trope, is that the the side of horror is associated very much with like femininity. Yeah. yeah. Um and that's not obviously for all aspects of this film but it certainly is with like the mermaid like yeah. the only woman or any kind of woman that you see is this you know like seductive but monstrous creature. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, okay. Okay. Let's take one step back. We're backing up. So, so, so that is that your only reading of the film as being a as being a a, a portrait uh, of forced heterosexuality?
2: I think that for me is the most humane reading of the film, and this is where like the mythology stuff like both does doesn't and doesn't work y- for y- me. Yeah. yeah, because it doesn't like totally easily overlap. Again, the sexuality stuff makes sense connected to the Prometheus myth. If again you think about like the lighthouse is just like this huge phallus, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which you know you see it like there and it's like it's just, it's such a like an obvious symbol that yeah. it's so, like too obvious. Yeah, yeah. Where the first time you see it, like oh, it's just the lighthouse. Like no, it's not. It's a yeah. huge penis. Yeah, and then also which I noticed the first time too, there's this really interesting shot. Um, can we like say a little bit about it? Like, yeah, yeah, okay, right.
0: yeah, we're into spoiler, we're yeah. now in spoiler yeah, yeah. territory. Spoiler this movie's ter- gonna spoiler. be hard to do without yeah. talking about it. So
2: there's an amazing shot at the end, which I don't know if you guys like noticed, but how it was aligned where uh, the ax comes out. And mm-hmm. at some point, it's on the table, and the way in which the foe's body is lined up with it, yeah. it looks like it's shooting straight out of his pants. <laughs> right.
0: And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah,
2: then yeah. the axe there is like a super, super in your face, almost literally like symbol of his, like you yeah. know, this of his it's own phallus. Ax, it's yeah. an axe dick. Yeah, it's axe dick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, which but, I think Freud also that's writes a technical about. Term. Yeah. Well, it's, it's in the Freud essay. So yeah, 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 axe dick. Yeah, yeah, Fre- yeah, yeah. Axe dick. Yeah. Signifier is axe dick. Yeah,
1: yeah. I wondered as well. Then there's a there's an element a reading of this film about that is. Um, what you know? Ephraim Wilson, who uh, who is played by Robert Patterson, uh, has this sort of complicated backstory where he may have committed a crime at some point. And then there's this this sort of like this this uh, prevailing imagery that starts to play through this film where we're not actually sure if um uh, is it Winslow uh, Wake, uh, who's played by uh, Willem Dafoe, Defoe, yeah, uh, Thomas actually, Wake. Yeah, is is we're, it, <laughs> it starts to become a case of like, is Thomas Wake really real? Or is this uh-huh. some sort of like self imposed purgatory? Because there's a, mo- there's, there starts to be moments where, you know, like both men are Thomas at some point. Yeah, like it he turns out to call me by your name for it's, like it's five for, minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, which does relate into the, the, the sort of famous story of the two Thomases <laughs> that were at the lighthouse. You know, there's a famous, was it the small the lighthouse, lighthouse tragedy. Or? Or? Oh, I, I don't know. It's really about an this English one. tale. It's yeah. basically this, this, story this film. Yeah. Where yeah.
0: one of the lighthouse keepers died, the other one went insane, and they're both named Thomas. Uh-huh. There's some
1: horrific imagery from that story uh, that's kind of amazing. Have you, have you, you read the the full story of the smalls. I think I've heard of it for actually. a
0: long time ago. Because like just... one of the
2: bodies like starts to disintegrate. Well, right. He,
1: he basically uh, one of the Thomases who killed the other Thomas. Uh, or or they died... Presume, blue. You don't. He, know. he like he built a coffin. He, he was worried that he was going to be um you know he would be presumed that he killed this person. So he built a coffin for him and put him out to sea. And the coffin broke in the wind. And so basically the it's like the Telltale Harp but the worst version. The hand of the of of weight kind of disintegrates and flies into the window and is like kind of like waving to him <laughs> so and, and you know like it drove him insane yeah. you know, like in a way um but but it was got you know like there is this sort of element in this film where when they start realizing that their actual names are thomas and thomas and you're like oh i wonder if they're actually you start to wonder is this you know Ephraim later in life you know is this mm. what becomes of him huh. if he if he stays in this place and this and this essentially this um this death that happens at the end is essentially a de- is a rejection of oneself in uh-huh. some way. I don't know. It, it I just that's didn't an feel there was an, read. An, yeah.
2: I didn't feel there was enough in the film for that kind of right. yeah. yeah. I,
1: I just I, I saw that imagery coming to play, particularly in the fact that they both kind of go Thomas. My name is Thomas, and you know I I there was something about that that kind of felt like it was echoes of that sort of sense of self yeah. rejection.
2: There was that moment though later on where Defoe basically says to him like, "What you think just happened didn't happen." Yeah. Yeah. So there is like a play with like what is real and what isn't. Yeah. Um, but I never thought like it was entirely in our Pats' head. I right. thought at the very least like he descended into a more kind of serious madness or madness in like Defoe's character did not.
0: Yeah And yeah. there
2: was a, that kind of tension between them.
0: I took it as uh Pattinson went batshit. Defoe is a bad person and used that bat shit to his advantage in various ways. Uh, you know, He does uh,
1: manipulate He him manipulates
0: quite. the shit out of him, but I never think Defoe is crazy. He's, he's, he might be evil depending on your definition of that mm-hmm. term, mm-hmm. but he's not the nuts one. <laughs> Pattinson, because we do see the entire film really through Pattinson's POV, yeah. uh, and we see some crazy shit, uh, he's the one that loses his marbles as opposed. So, like, and that to me was sort of like an interesting take, too, because this is something I had with it. And not that you need this in a film, mm-hmm. but I was like, after for a while, I'm like, wait, who am I like, rooting tying for? My, not even rooting for, but like, who am I tying myself morally to yeah, in this yeah, story? Yeah. And by the end of it, you really can't. Well, mm-hmm. it turns, yeah, yeah, because in the beginning you're like totally on Arpat's side because yeah. there's
2: this like crude dude like literally farting in his face, yeah. yeah, and then yeah, you find out in fact that well, no, like he's like the bad guy, and this is also why like it doesn't quite overlap well with the Prometheus myth because Prometheus is a hero, right? Like, he's the there's one a who, like... lot that it doesn't like. Well,
1: I'm, I'm curious what your like. So now you know, I think your read is kind of is is an excellent read, and I'm curious how Prometheus plays a part in that. It, mm. it, it, it... well. Jared, Does go it. Ahead. Yeah, like, it doesn't. It, yeah. That's the
0: thing. Like, like look, if you want to go to the last shot, which we'll get to eventually. Yeah, that's crazy, Prometheus. But you know what's interesting? It's not the. The reason, no, we're going to get into it now. Fuck it. The The reason <laughs> why, uh, so at the end of this film, <laughs> uh, Pat's is on the beach uh, getting his or uh, side ripped open by gulls. By gulls, yeah. Now in the Prometheus myth, Prometheus is chained to a rock and uh, every day Hermes comes to him and asks a question, which we'll get into why it actually has nothing to do with what this film is going mm. on. Uh, and uh, he refuses to answer it. And then every day an eagle comes and eats his liver and he, it regrows the next day. And this is a pr- repeated torture. Um, but he's being punished because he stole fire. He's not. He's
2: not. Wait, he's no, in the original. I mean. No. Oh, he's, he's not. not. So, what so it...
0: here's it, it is all rolled together, mm-hmm. but this is the weird part of it. Okay. Prometheus, as a hero, stole fire for man. Zeus was fucking hella pissed about Mm -hmm. that, but that's not – so he's like, hold on. He does a lot of different stuff. He also makes uh, Pandora with her box to fuck with uh, Epithemius, which is Prometheus' brother, uh, to punish man for tricking him with some other shit. There's a whole bunch that goes down there. So then once he deals with man, he does chain Prometheus to the rock. The eagle and the eating of the liver – has nothing to do... The, the rock was supposed to be the punishment. You're chained to this rock forever because you fucking gave fire to humans. Correct. The eagle is not part of that oh, punishment. The, oh, that's something else. So there's another thing well, where... The eagle, the eagle is taking the... The liver. liver. Yeah, but so the, punish, the original punishment for yeah. taking the fire is just being chained to the rock. That was supposed to be the end of it. Right. But Zeus had a premonition, just like from his father before him, that one of his sons would usurp him. And Zeus... Being uh, literally everyone's dad, because he was a fuckboy. As played
2: by Anthony Quinn. As played by <laughs> Anthony course. Quinn in yeah.
0: Hercules, the Legendary Journeys. Um, basically, he fucked so many women, he had no idea who this child could be. He, there were too many. Yeah, and, and Prometheus was supposed to be the wisest of the Titans, and only he would know who this child would be. And so that's why he sent Hermes every day to say what, who who is the mother of this child, so that oh. Zeus is not threatened. And Prometheus was like, he chained me this fucking rock. Fuck you. Yeah. And that's how that went until various things, either Chiron or Heracles came to rescue him and trade people's lives for other things. But like the 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 birds and the liver eating that aspect of it has nothing to do with stealing fire. Mm-hmm. And so that does kind of fall apart for me when we deal with this film. Now, granted. I I don't and write in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com those are the the as when researched the episodes that we've done for extra mythology please check them out. they're on YouTube two parter first two episodes I did I'm not terribly proud of the narration but the story's really good especially the, the, the beginning of it which is like the beginning of the ferment and, and all that stuff but uh mytho- myths are fluid and there could be other readings but if you if you look at the text as I sort of did that that's the call and therefore back to the lighthouse it's an amazing imagery, especially because yeah, was, the seabird shit yeah. and like th- things do start going downhill. Willem Dafoe's character is like, ah, bad luck to kill a seabird. Yeah, and yeah. then fucking our goes ape shit on a seabird. Totally murks a seabird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he murks that seabird so hard. And uh, which it was is so like sad. such a
2: powerful scene too, when it happens, because it, they- it's totally unexpected. Yeah, uh, and that by the way, that bird should definitely be fucking nominated. Yeah, yeah. Nominated, bird, yeah. so good, so good. Uh, Only on screen for like five minutes, but oh my god, just owned. as a
0: trained bird too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh,
2: owns every single scene.
0: But but the yeah, and then to have those birds like I, I like that. I liked that circle in in Lighthouse the movie, <laughs> but it does not tie in well for me with the Promethean myth, and therefore I think it is literally just imagery. Because even like if Arpads was supposed to be the Promethean character in this, he's not. Taking the light, the fire, the lighthouse, for anything other than his curiosity, correct. Uh, and there's lots of Greek myths about gods and demigods just doing shit for shits and giggles and getting burned for it. Like that's not what Prometheus is.
1: Well, I think. I think you know. Like we can argue that, that the use of the Prometheus myth is is purely. Uh, uh, aesthetic yes. in this in this case, but but also it doesn't necessarily need to be no, no, literally no. one for one. A hundred percent, it can it does be interpretive, not. and 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 you know just in the same way you can use a painting as a reference for an image,
0: but a, if for a film, if we're asking about the meaning of the film, I would go much more with the with the read of like the re- mm-hmm. repressed uh, sexuality in in these sort of specific situations as more of a thematic this is what the film is saying as opposed to this is a uh, allegory for the promethean myth which i think is sort of like uh, at least for the for the some of the stuff i've read online is sort of like that's the quick answer people have given for the meaning behind this movie because the imagery is so evocative mm-hmm. i just don't think it's I don't think that's the point of the film. I think it's a cool thing they borrowed a bunch from.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree.
0: I
1: want to read uh, from Film Crit Hulk, uh, who's a uh, favorite critic of ours. Uh, film Crit um, Hulk, um, who writes about this film uh, in an essay that he put on his uh, Patreon site. By the way, you should support his Patreon. The light and the article is called "The Lighthouse Art Films and the Feeling of Servitude." Um, and the this is the the paragraph I would bring. Uh, the lighthouse repositions the Prometheus myth as into a portrait of class. Take the titular object, symbolically speaking, lighthouses of long. Been Beacons of hope Protect us from danger And ports in a storm But from the onset This film uses that As a false promise It is the goal That is locked away From Winslow's eyes He has no access To the light Only a half-hearted promise That one day he could uh, One day he could have access Which is actually A blatant lie It is the essential lie Of the brutal class dynamic The belief that someone Can earn billions Without stepping on Necks of others Using backbreaking labor To make it possible When he finally learns The truth Winslow kills Wake Takes his keys And finally goes to the top of the lighthouse Does he get to get Enjoy the perks Of the workless life? Nope He stares directly Into the blinding light And is nearly consumed by it As if the gods Are telling us The fire is not meant for him Perhaps it is not meant For men of his class Perhaps not for a man Who has made mistakes And perhaps a man not for a man Who has sought it So desperately um, I, I just want to end With uh, the uh, Film Crit Hulk's uh, Assessment of the film Which is that It makes him squirm It makes him laugh And process symbols And most of all Meditate on the same feelings Of loneliness Dread and servitude That creep up in his life um, I think that that interesting because the one thing that we've all kind of danced around is like w- it's not just the lighthouse itself as this phallic symbol; it's the light within it that has meaning, and yeah. symbolic meaning. Because it, it it also kind of the 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 light takes on this sort of almost Lovecraftian kind of mm-hmm. uh, tone to it, where it seems to be emanating some kind of force. And this is actually one part of the film that didn't quite work for me because I, I one of the things that I thought was kind of um, Underlying *The Witch*, for example, was this sense of dread that there is something out there, and there's something out there that has a tangible quality to it that will, threaten, you know, literally takes a baby.
0: Yeah, um, no one was imagining shit in *The Witch*.
1: Yeah. Whereas in in *The Lighthouse*, I was kind of like struggling with what the tangible threat was to these two men. You know, like the the threat seemed to be entirely internal, isolation. Yeah, uh, in a way that that didn't have like a. A driving force for the narrative, and I and I, and I'm sort of, I, you know, like I, like I said, I watched Persona, and I you know, the Persona is not a mm. film that kind of has a, a driving threat underlying it, but uh, but it's a film I can kind of wrap myself within, and this is not one I kind of felt myself kind of entirely wrapped within. I, I don't know what what. So you do know, you think that
2: has to do with the performances because they weren't like psychologically captivating, or there wasn't a certain kind of sense of realism?
1: No, to me, it actually has to do with the the actual screenplay itself, which is that what is the. Undel- like like if there is a ticking clock to this film, it is the four weeks when Winslow, you know, when Ifram uh, is going to be able to leave the island, and then, but that seems to dissipate fairly quickly, and then you know, it dis- and the movie kind of moves on from it fairly quickly as well, and it gets into a more you know like esoteric question there, which is that how long have we actually been on this island, and how do we perceive time, you know, like uh, when we're in isolation like this, but but I was I think I, I that was sort of this critique I had, well the criticism I had of this film is that I. I didn't feel like a compelling narrative that was pulling me through. I didn't even feel that the lighthouse, like the, the quest to gain access to the to the light was particularly dramatically wrought. You know what I mean? Like it yeah, did no, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I wondered kind of how you guys felt about that.
2: Well, again, I, th- I felt like it was, again, most successful. And this is why like, the mythology stuff, for me, in terms of like the lighthouse itself, what the light represents... <laughs> was the least interesting part. Right. Because I was just so captivated at watching these two dudes like do their thing on the screen and then slowly descend into madness. And also like all the psychosexual stuff that was both like very much on the surface and also repressed. Yeah. And that was what just really captivated me. I was like... It's just like for a persona, right? So it's just like literally just like two people. It's like you're watching theater. Yeah. It's like just two people, one-on-one, you're watching this kind of drama unfold. And that's what like totally worked for me. So that's like, so why like all like the mythology stuff is like, who, like, who really cares about it? Like I don't yeah. care about it. I'm just like totally captivated by watching these two men like descend into madness.
1: There's an interesting thing with this film as well, which is that that the, the film is so designed within an inch of its life kind of thing. You know, like every... Corner of this film feels like it was kind of uh, production designed at some point, mm-hmm. you know. And Iger has a production design background, but but the film is so gross, you know, like like it's so gross <laughs> to watch, like it like the scatological humor well, yeah, of it, the well, farting, the pissing, the, the you know, like William Dafoe doesn't feel very. Cuddly, he does not. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Yeah, you like know? you
2: look at that beard and you yeah. look at his face and yeah. like, oh my god, this man must smell yeah. like really, really badly. You know <laughs> Completely. And then at some point, you're right. Like watching it again, I was like, oh my god, I forgot how much he farts. Yeah, like he spends like like is, I'm like, am I watching like a Fairly Brothers like film? Like yeah. we're just farting in this guy's face. I'm like, wh- like it's what's going? Something on Something
0: we are forgetting too, and we'll sort of touch on now is there are legitimately funny points in there this there weird, twisted, dark fucking movie, uh, and it, the farts are definitely part of it. But there's just certain like visual gags or like something <laughs> that like happens like especially before he does kill the bird like the way the bird kind of fucks with him yeah. it's funny totally,
2: yeah with the window he taps on the window yeah. and it flies away yeah. uh, uh,
0: or like when he won't move in, in the doorway and you're like alright like yeah
1: on reddit there's this, like, there's this thread that uh, there's a subreddit that I absolutely love called perfectly cut screams mm-hmm. Do you guys ever it's basically no. <laughs> they'll show a scene right up until the point someone's about to scream and you'll just hear the first like uh, couple of frames uh, of the scream yeah, yeah. and it's like perfect, you know, perfectly cut screams and this film has one of the best Perfectly cut screams I think I've seen in a long time. Which is when uh, uh, Ephraim has to take the two cups filled oh, with yeah. with uh, shit, <laughs> piss and shit, yeah. and he's walking like continuously through like the the, the snow uh, through the storm, and then he tosses them, they fly back in his face, and he just goes. Ah, God. I was like, that is a perfect. Why tip.
0: didn't he just dump it so much sooner? I know. Sooner? <laughs> I get for the gag and I get for the movie. Just, and the you gag know. is so good. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> he's Aww. also a, a screaming masturbator at some
2: point as well. He is like a screaming masturbator. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. We go with the uh, little totem. With a little right. totem. Yeah. And
1: he's like, his screaming masturbating was like, I was like, is this erotic or is this like painful? Oh, I'm not well, sure yeah. if I should cry or be happy for him.
2: Yeah. No, it was painful. Yeah. It looked like misery. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, it doesn't seem like the greatest conditions. Yeah. 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 Um, I so, so as far as the film looking dirty, yeah. um, the cinematographer, uh, Jaron uh, Blanchek, oh, Blanchek I, can't, I can't pronounce his last name, the end of it is complicated, but he did say in an interview, uh, how he he strived, uh, to make the actors look as bad as possible. Like, yeah. he said it to their face, like, he this is the plan, like, yeah. we're going to shoot this in in lighting and and uh, camera situations where you look. Horrible, <laughs> uh, and and I mean, obviously pays off for the thing that they're doing. I just found it, I love that that's like a choice. Um, yeah, I, I, w- all of this sort of said mm. the takes that you've both sort of brought in, uh, actually in Film Crit Hulk as well. Yeah, not me. Film <laughs> uh, they are f- the, the, I don't think it twists the Promethean myth to be about class. I just think this could be a thing that. Is about class. Like again, I do have to go back to that. Nothing about this is Prometheus to me, other than a few images that they 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 sort of picked out of it. Um, but I'm way more interested in those reads of this film than any other one. Though still, when writing my notes about this today, other than like I could talk about the performances being beautiful, and I could talk about the the cinematography. Oh, and God, the sound design and the oh God. God. <laughs> yeah, holy fuck, that was great. Yeah.
1: I mean, to your point about like uh, forced heterosexuality, this film has like an oppressive quality to it. Yeah. Like in the
2: ocean. Super claustrophobic. Yeah. Uh,
0: With all that said, I had not thought about it really again until I sat down to write my notes today. Like it did not, it did not get enough hooks in me. And it's one of those movies that I was, I did watch the trailer, Mm -hmm. uh, and I was so excited for it because I was like, oh man, this is going to be something again. Going back to like something like Mother or The Witch or something, where I'm like. I'm going to think about this and I'm going to like find nine different ways we can read it and like I'm so excited to sort of pick it apart and da 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 -da. and it didn't it didn't do it for me and I I know mileage may vary I've heard nothing really most reviews have been incredibly positive and like it's on people's best film of the year top three etc it just for me I don't know I don't know it didn't it didn't it didn't have a enough small hooks to get me like to sort of keep reeling it in Zoe has a lot of opinions. I don't know if you can hear it, but Zoe is She's being a huge vocal. fan. She's yeah. like a, she loves our Pats yeah. since Twilight. Yeah, since Twilight, <laughs> yeah, since it Twilight, it makes sense. She's more of a Stu fan though. k okay.
1: So so I mean, George, I mean, in terms in terms of that, obviously you went in sort of second time for pleasure, like yeah. not just for well, the Well, also, the, yeah,
0: you
2: guys invited me. I was like, Oh man, I'm like, oh, shit, now you gotta... <laughs> me, gives me an opportunity to go back and watch the Lighthouse. But you were excited totally... to Yeah, I was. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And and what I mean, what for you are the hooks other than just the reading of the film?
2: I mean, again, it, like it's I, it's the the visuals are are like totally totally engrossing. Um, the, again, like the we already talked about like that final shot, but like that final shot is like so uncanny, yeah, yeah. so creepy, and it works so well. Even though, again, like mythologically speaking, not quite, yeah. but in terms of what the film is trying to do, and like thinking about that, obviously, like his punishment for it, killing of yeah. his bird, and let's say is that also is kind of like some sort of allegorical, um, kind of act against nature right so like yeah. he does this like horrible thing gets this like bird and obviously he's therefore punished for it Yeah. but yeah i mean like the performances like just as a gothic like horror story like it's... i was just gripped by it and like on that level and that's why i also like going back to like the new englandy kind of aspect yeah. of it too right like there's like so much weirdness up in like new england and i feel like this film just like the witch like really captured like Captured it excellently.
0: I, I did forget a story up in northern New Hampshire when different set of woods, but that we had a cabin up north. And this plays a little bit more into The Witch, but basically, we used to explore. It was on the side of a mountain. You would drive up uh, a very not paved, silly road, and, and there was a cabin with no electricity and had like a wood stove and like a shooting range off the deck because live free or die. Mm. And uh, me and my friends would go up there with our parents, with our dads, and uh, while they were all drinking, shooting guns, we would go around the back and go up the mountain. And I shit you not, there was pagan some sort of ritual sites of certain things because there were literally Blair Witch-esque totems and things and pyres of stuff in fields and rocks and stones and circles. And when we found that, we're like, at first we're like, cool, yeah! And they were like... Oh, wait, we probably should fuck with this. So I have seen stuff like witch-esque things or or the feeling of these sort of gothic horror things in person. Both of these films do elicit the same feeling. There's no question of that sort of like, this is what both films do. And I think actually uh, Lighthouse might be a little more successful in this one regard only. Both of you give, both of them give the feeling of I shouldn't be here,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Uh, but Lighthouse doesn't let you. I mean, both don't really let you leave. But like, yeah, maybe a family could run in the other direction or away. Even though that's not really plausible. This is literally a rock on the ocean. Right. Like you are fucked. You are here. This is this is this is it. Uh, so I think it nails that feeling in the moment for me. I was very enthralled and like I felt that again. Um, yeah, so I, that's just a positive.
1: I, I think I, I, I read an interview, uh, or I listened to an interview with Robert Eggers where he talked about, like, the reason... Because he's really fascinated with doing research. Like, he is... It shows. Well, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. well-read. He's, you know, like, it's not just aesthetic research either. It is, you know, like, it is about... I, I think the still the most amazing thing, and this was true of The Witch and true here, is his command of language and dialect. You know, like, he's very specific. It feels very... It, and it, And it never feels showy it feels lived in
2: well it's funny you should say that too because one of the best lines in the film also is when our pats at the end says to him something like you sound like a parody yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. that that to me was like one of those like very meta moments where yeah. obviously like the he was commenting on kind of i think like to some degree how borrowed the language is at times because there's they they their dialogue is so different right the like yeah. is like Captain spitting ahab, out you know, yeah he's yeah. like captain ahab it's like this shakespearean like really dense like yeah. discourse and our past is just kind of like well i'm like you know this dude looking for work and mm-hmm. like i need to like scrub the deck or like do whatever the fuck it is that you want me to do so yeah it's just interesting to kind of think about the way in which also the language that they both kind of traffic in is so radically different and at odds with one another
1: but but in a kind of beautiful way totally, like, like yeah, it's yeah perfectly thematically in in line with what the film is trying to do and i think you know like in terms of um, performances, the the it's not just having someone with a face like William Dafoe be able to deliver this. It's someone who can deliver these lines with the absolute conviction and power as required. It's it is Shakespearean. It is gothic. It is that kind of larger than life kind of performance that he gives. That you know, like I I, I sort of struggle to think of, uh, you know, like if you think about C, uh, minute C kind of performances from this point forward. William Defoe will always be referenced, right? Like at this point, from this point forward, you will always have to look at this performance if you're ever going to play a sailor, if you're going ever going to play um, anyone yeah. in, you know, New England, if you're ever going to play anyone from this period, you're going to have to look at this performance. So I think that's why it's so it's so and that that is a testament to Egger's direction as well in terms of like being able to get that kind mm-hmm. of performance out of him and framing it in such a way. You know, like that that monologue where he smites him for not liking his lobster oh is God. is Incredible, you know, like it is. It is one of the, you know, this is the moment that will be played at the Oscars for for sure.
0: That's what the like. I think the funniest, most effective shit in this movie is the petty stuff.
1: Yeah, like of course, yeah.
0: Maybe it's because it's the most relatable and it's otherwise non-relatable, terrifying situation. And it's like it could be a moment of reprieve. It could just be something like, yeah, I know someone like that. But that's like (laughs) such
2: like a domestic squabble too. It's like, what do you mean you don't like my cooking? You've never said anything about you not liking my cooking before. How dare you? Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and then it's like
1: oh, oh okay fine I like your lobster. I like your lobster yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I you know I think I think is just wonderful um I think the the uh, the other side of it was the is the fact that that Eggers is interested in in trying to bring the New England myth to the screen, you know, like he, he what he said is like if you go to Europe um, or if you go, uh, you know, like if you go to Dutch country or whatever, you, you people wear their mythology, you know, like you kind of see it. But he was one thing and I, I'm not from New England, but he was saying the sort of the the the, the sort of iconography of New England. Mythology doesn't get worn out, you know, worn on its sleeve a lot. So he he's kind of the the reason he's interested in kind of doing all this research is that he loves like just digging up and finding out like how people lived. Back well, it's then.
0: puritanical AF, right? Like you're not like <laughs> it's not like New England culture and the sort of the myths sort of behind it, especially in the hard times that these films are set in, mm-hmm. was like. Definitely wasn't like Greek culture where they're like, this is all of the things. Like mm-hmm. everyone's just like, we're just gonna stay in our fucking lane and try to goddamn survive. And f- goddamn it, there's witches. Yeah. Like, like it's 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 and you can feel I, I was talking to Jamie about this uh the other day. <laughs> New Englanders have this thing, and as all places do, but like I think other places are a little bit more friendly, maybe with their sort of stuff that is like their own thing. New Englanders are very like, yeah, we'll be welcoming, but like, you're not from here. Like, and not in like a, not in like a, you know, get out or any sort of that sort of way, but like just in a, like, you're awesome, great. You're not, you're not like one of us. Like, it's (laughs) fine. And it's like this weird because like, I said live free or die before the motto should be live, freeze, then die, because seven out of nine, seven to nine of the months out of the year, it's fucking cold and miserable <laughs> the, for three of it. It is gorgeous. And please go see the leaves and support the economy. But the uh, it's a hard, especially God, fuck back then winters in New England. Mm. Fuck that. <laughs> like, I can't take it now. Yeah, I. Uh, And the baddest stuff I have to do is shovel a bunch and like fucking look for Jenny fuel when uh, the power eventually goes out for a week and a half. So there is a New England feel in a way that New Englanders are and and are a bit more bitey and a bit more, I think, reserved with the cultural aspects of being a New Englander. I mean, I'm I'm sure it it does actually limit more towards like religious and mythological stuff, but there is a twinge Mm -hmm. of just day-to-day life shit in that vein as well.
1: (laughs) I wonder then, okay, let's sidestep for a second just before we kind of wrap this up, but there there is a phrase that has been you know being bandied about in the last year or two, particularly you know the the sort of uh, contemporary male American or horror, aute- horror auteurs are kind of being grouped by uh, Jordan Peele, Ariasta, and Robert Eggers. Um, and the the term that has been bandied about in terms of their work is uh, one that has been derided you know significantly, but is elevated horror. Hmm. And 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 I, uh, I and Baby Dread actually had written quite some time ago about this phrase and asked us a question about it, um, which we sort of talked about very briefly. But I was curious, in terms of that that term, elevated horror, and then just thinking about where this film sits in terms of genre. What do we think? Well, what do, I guess maybe you know, in terms of trying to figure out a taxonomy for this film, is like, uh, what is the genre of this movie if we were to identify it? And then, what does the phrase elevated horror actually mean? Yeah,
2: I mean, that term seems yeah. to suggest, like, elevated horror, like The Shining. Right. Like, Night of the Living Dead. Like Rosemary's Co- Baby. Rosemary's Berry. Yeah, like, things that have been around for decades. Yeah. I mean, that term... I mean, I, I get what it's trying to get at, right? Like, to try to... Oh,
0: it's a buzzword.
2: Yeah, trying to... Exactly. Trying to kind of... It, It's zeitgeisty. Trying to like define something that's happening in the moment, Um, but it seems like it means like absolutely nothing. Nothing.
0: That's a great point. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, like Night of the Living Dead, you dummies. Like that. Like horror all. Film always says something. The ability of at which uh, that the film gets whatever it's trying to say across varies depending on person and and creatives. Uh, horror has always said things that, to varying degrees. I mean, for every night of the Living Dead, which has incredible undertones of important societal things, uh, you get. Nine thousand other shitbox zombie movie. You get Plan Nine from Outer Space, like which has its own eye it. But I think uh, that's
1: that's what the the I guess maybe if the phrase is being used, it's to kind of make sure that you're identifying this as not Friday the Thirteenth Part Nine. You know, like sure, it's, it's not schlocky, yeah,
0: and that's fine. I, I I I would take a little bit more umbrage to the thing of like oh like oh well now like the, you know now we're elevating horror it's like no 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 hell, horror has been elevated for quite some time these are just three people that are currently doing it right now like they're you know yeah
2: I know I totally agree and but I think like those the, filmmakers are doing really excellent work yeah. yeah and but I don't necessarily know that there's like a
1: school
0: or like screams, a movement yeah it screams marketing to me
1: well it's and you know like uh, the uh, genre studies are ostensibly built by critics and audiences it's not built by filmmakers themselves right uh, until you know it gets so saturated to a point where it actually becomes a do you find usefulness in that term in elevated horror yeah i think i do I, I think i you know like in terms of like being able to categorize it in a way that that makes it distinct from something like um the conjuring for example even though i i i think there's 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 value in the conjuring i think this is just suggesting that there is uh, uh, a slight and, and in some ways it can actually be a negative term for the actual film itself which is that you may not get the sort of <laughs> Immediate visceral sense of what horror can do for you when you're watching—that's s- losing it.
0: Yeah, when you're watching something like this, <laughs> you must be this smart to ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you must be this uh, smart to ride. Uh, well, then there's movies that I think literally land in the middle point of this, such as Ready or Not. Right. Like, if 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 elevated, but, you know, but if elevated horror was a thing, and I don't <laughs> I, I, again, it's but it's too buzzwordy for me. Uh, and say, I don't know, the conjuring even is the other end of the spectrum, which I think there's far further down if we're doing the spectrum than the conjuring. Yeah. Ready or not's this perfect like middle ground where like, look, there's definitely undertones of things that ready or not is, is saying, um, but not as readily as something like, say, the lighthouse or the witch or, you know, stuff like that. So it's like it's on a scale. And then if it's on such a weird scale, then you have to find cutoff points. And then it's just, I, I horror is horror. It's, it, you can enjoy the horror or you can, you can personally call it good horror or you can be like, oh, that was pointless gore. Like, uh, so I don't
1: how, know. how, would, George, how would you kind of like, if you were having to categorize this uh, film or like identify it where it sits in the kind of spectrum, where would you kind of, Ooh. Or either genre. It, here's, here's creepy bird
2: from, movie. Creepy
1: bird movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Is it's that like, a genre? Yeah, it's like yeah. Hitchcock's the birds and yeah. This. Of course. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know.
2: I'm uh, sure there's lineage too, Birdemic, by the way, between of Yeah, of course <laughs> Birdemic, my yeah. God. Yeah. No, I would I mean I would say it's a, I would say it's a horror film. Yeah. Um at least on its surface. Um, is there like a genre of like American folklore like film American mm-hmm. horror uh, like, one thing for me which I is mean, another thing that I loved about this you, film is yeah. like very folkloric
1: there's obviously the famous painting but you mentioned American Gothic at some
2: point you know like uh, well I just I, meant American Gothic in the general sense of like an American Gothic tradition like that, Edgar Allan Poe for example like the mm-hmm. witch trials that kind of
1: right that that phrase has always been a little bit nebulous for me I, I'm curious if you could define it somewhat
2: just, I cannot
1: just, <laughs> just so that I could not, 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 not to put you on the spot but just so that I could kind of like place this film within that tradition and, like like, what does that tradition mean?
2: I mean, I, I think it just kind of historically speaking. Again, so another thing that I really liked about this film, and not to like not answer your question, but, <laughs> but don't do it. But, but to think about it again, like in relationship to the witch, and as a kind of continuation of like some of the themes or ideas that he's exploring the witch that are being explored here. And just generally speaking, just kind of like the uh, nightmare that is the American enterprise. Right. So one thing that we didn't talk about, and I'm glad, I'm sorry, who was the, the, the one? The film critic? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that he mentioned, and obviously like as a Marxist critic, I'm totally dropping the ball on this, <laughs> but class, yes, class is all over this film and we yeah. haven't done enough to talk about it, but to think about also, like, well, what also drives him insane is capitalism. Yeah, it's that, the
1: sense that his his labor is being undervalued.
2: Or just that they are put in these really terrible conditions, in these inhospitable conditions, and that's because they have to earn a living. Right. And obviously they're doing something to help people, right? Yeah. To help, like, commerce and, like, your sure. ships, right? Yeah. But also, like... They're there because they have to do a job. And the doing of the job is what drives them insane. And it's also, kind of like office space. And <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like office it's space. Exactly but like also office.
0: to your reading of of Willem Dafoe's character in going to sea for 13 years, it also could be a lifestyle that is conducive to various other aspects of their lifestyle. Completely in that regard, where maybe our Pat's is a bit more of a like, fuck, I'm this is a lower class thing. I have to fucking do this to make a living. By the way, I stole a dead man's identity. Mm, yes. Uh yeah, I
1: mean there's- but, but he also he I mean, you know, to to your point in terms of like uh, as sort of an indictment of class is that he is ultimately drifting between meaningless occupations. You know, like he, he was a timber man before this. Uh, and he just like, you know, was like, well, I moved from one uh, timber kind of bored me. And I you know may have done this terrible thing, but I'm just moving on. And all I want to do is earn enough to kind of find my way in the world or to, to earn my corner of the world. Um... But yeah, it, it, it strikes me as well that the, you know, like going back to the sort of American Gothic thing that, yeah, like is fundamentally the sort of class structure part of that as opposed to like maybe, uh, you know, other forms of Gothic which have a supernatural quality to them. Uh,
0: I mean, American Gothic is, uh, well, definitely there can be supernatural aspects to American Gothic. I mean, weirdly, the witch is kind of that too. Um, but I think it's literally just when you intermix horror with Old times America, or 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 history involved in your horror. Uh, Gothic is a period of, of of a couple different things, but also architecture and like there's there like. It's a general aesthetic. It, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, an like aesthetic sort of feel. And by that, if you're saying American Gothic, America's only, what, 300 and some change or something like that? Well, it
2: depends so... where you date it from.
0: Oh, yeah. oh Touche. Yes, very no. true. The the colonization of America. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is another
2: thing. Yeah. like
0: Right. Yeah. Which even back to last week when we were talking about, was it last week, Dr. Sleep? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, the original Shining. We're talking about how in the film, not the book, there was a little bit more thing. It was just like the throwaway of the reasoning. Was it like, oh, Indian burial ground? Yeah, yeah. Shmok, cool. Like, so there's yeah, there's a ton of history beyond our fucking three hundred years here.
2: Or that was totally wiped out by yeah, 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 yeah. of course, Europeans.
0: But uh, <laughs> yeah, but like, there's I think when we say American Gothic, it's dealing with historical events around the time of the colonization of America and from then. Did uh, you find
1: the film particularly scary?
0: Or no. no, I I did it, found did it
1: induce. I mean, for me There the was f-
0: one jump that I had, and that's at the very end
2: when Defoe runs back in right, after yeah. he's been buried alive. Yeah, yeah that was one jump. And I knew it was coming the second time, too, and I still kind of like, oh,
1: shit. For me, the film kind of evoked disgust more than yeah. anything. You know, like, there was this sort of the sinewy sort of yeah. droop, dribbly,
2: droopy well, said, quality to it. You said Lovecraftian earlier, yeah, yeah. and it does have a little bit of that, like, Lovecraftian stuff with, like, the, the, s- octopus, the, monster the octopus monster. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah whatever so the hell it is.
0: I don't know about the Lovecraftian. Well, not, like,
2: not that he's... Explicitly lifting from Lovecraft, but yeah. this kind of sense of like the monster with the tentacles right. yeah. and like I mean, the amphibian I that like kind an of qualities,
0: like the the oftentimes, and I'm not saying that this film does that. The second that something has a tentacle, it's Lovecraftian, <laughs> and that's not now. There's other things in this film that you definitely could. I mean, the lighthouse aesthetic, the 1890s, like that's all Lovecrafty stuff. Um, going mad, definitely Lovecraft. Though I don't think Lovecraft has. Is the there
1: any outward racism that we could point to Lovecraft? Uh, as let's well. see. Is there? No, there's <laughs> only
0: two white dudes on this rock. No, so. that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty Lovecraftian. Right? I mean, like, the, I the, didn't
1: they just start the, a podcast. The production, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, they should have no. just started a podcast. <laughs> the production of the insane. film was oh Lovecraftian. God, they would have knocked out a thousand episodes by the time oh they finished god. the movie. Oh my god! But weeks.
0: they're literally talking into tin cans, <laughs> uh, and they hope the string the string just goes to the ocean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're charting big on whatever fish iTunes is. We
2: didn't also talk about that one. Scene where Defoe becomes like this god. Yeah, he does. He literally well, he
0: becomes like a he becomes, a. he becomes a. He becomes a siren,
2: a crusty seaman. Right? Yeah, well, <laughs> <like laughs> this crust or like yeah, like a Poseidon kind of figure.
0: Oh, oh, you mean in the image at the very the end painted. when he's
2: like beating? No, at the very end when he's beating him up. Yeah, and yeah. He, there's yeah, yeah. And of, and he pulls yeah. back
0: and the light comes out of his mouth or his Oh eyes. no, that's, no, actually, no that's, that's actually That's a,
2: the beautiful image too. That's
1: a painting. That that's a uh, painting from Sasha Snyder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I I I had uh, never seen before, but I looked at it. It's exactly that you know. And
2: you almost get full frontal Defoe. We're not quite. If I can, it, but almost. If yeah. I
0: can figure out a way to make that image with the three of us either staring down or like mm. g- going to the side for, for the podcast I'm image, Defoe I would really like to do it. Has
2: definitely gone
1: full frontal. Oh yeah, like he's been. Oh no, totally. Yeah, he's been course. in the Abel w- Ferreira films, and, right? and Not yeah. in an offensive well, way, in, but without yeah. being.
0: Ross Van Trier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's all about. Yeah. 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 Um, oh yeah, of
1: course. Yeah, yeah. Was, he, he he was he an antichrist? He was an antichrist, right? He was the husband.
2: He might have even been the titular antichrist. Yeah. And this is the on
1: Role. Yeah. And he was also was the Green Goblin. You know, it all makes sense now. It's all
0: lining up. Old frontal nudity, right? In those in Spider Spider-Man, Spider-Man movies? movies, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I remember. You yeah. know, yeah, I'm something of a nudist <laughs> myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I guess. Final thoughts on the lighthouse, gentlemen. I mean, I would say go see it. I love yeah, it. I would say go see it too, despite it's
2: it did an not... experience. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. There's certainly a quality to seeing this movie in a theater where it is so well designed. It is such an oppressive feeling film that it's quite an experience to actually like engage with. I personally didn't. Um, didn't quite get the the sort of lo- sense of longevity that I think I got with The Witch, where I was like, this is a film for the ages, this is a masterclass. And I think and I think because The Witch is a simpler genre exercise, it's a far simpler film in terms of what it is trying to do. Its thematic lines are so crystal clear mm-hmm. that it is kind of simplistic uh, compared to what The Lighthouse, in terms of all the readings we've kind of done of it is. Yeah. There's no way that The Lighthouse is not masterfully done though there's no way that it's not kind of fully engaging it's just not quite as as demonstrably clear uh for me as a as a film to to read and and i you know and i i am sort of curious whether um, you know seeing it another time or you know giving it another shot would certainly do that for me but i'm i'm sort of more on the fence on this film
0: and i and i i don't for baby dread's <laughs> email i a hundred percent would put that dude on blast who walked out or whatever, disturbed us and said, "What the fuck is this film?" Was it an Arm in White? Did uh, he say it was Arm White? It was definitely Arm White. However, yeah. however,
2: <laughs> it's like, "I'm gonna go see the new tra- the, that uh, another Transformers movie again." Uh, oh, yeah. Or oh, oh man, Trans Four
0: Transform with the four in the <laughs> middle. Transformers. I missed a new Transformers movie. Yeah. Uh, although apparently Bumblebee is good. Um, <laughs> that the, would be the one Arm the one film Arm and
1: White.
2: does. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> no, no, like, <laughs> um,
0: but uh, basically, while I would uh, besmirch that gentleman's name, <laughs> um, across all of the sea gods, old and. New, I think uh, I would not also uh, be mad at anybody who did once the movie was over. Like I think both, actually, Jamie and I both did. We're like, I mean, okay. Uh, I, I I I think it's it's a diff. It's it's a worthwhile experience to see if you will enjoy it. And if you enjoy it, you're gonna fucking dig it. Uh, and if you don't enjoy it, I think there's still a lot. You can pull from, and uh, it's definitely a worthwhile experience uh, in a movie theater. Uh, still had fuckers on their phones. God oh, damn it! God. Uh, but that's a different conversation. Anyway, anyway that is an entirely different. Uh, conversation.
1: We have now completed the four films that we said, we, which was Parasite, Jojo Rabbit, The Lighthouse, and what was the fourth? Doctor Sleep. And Doctor Sleep. Yeah. So we have we have completed. Our, tri- do, 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 uh, our
0: quad fit This has been the only <laughs> podcast about the film Lighthouse. Of course, I had to bring it back to Final Fantasy, George. George, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the. It podcast. was a pleasure.
2: Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. If
0: people want to find you and your works, where can folks find you?
2: So I co-host a podcast with uh, Liam Billingham <laughs> called Overbusters. Yay! We are. Can you say it with the voice? Yeah, Uber. Um It took us about five minutes to figure out that name, and then afterwards we're like, oh, we already released like twelve t- like twelve episodes with this title, but maybe we should have not. No, it's great. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Yeah. It's like, you know, like really kind of Frenchy and sounds pretentious. But we are almost at the end of our deep dive into the films of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, We just released an episode on The Master, which is pretty Great. If yeah, I, don't I Yeah, me. thank you, thank you. Yeah, if I uh, don't mind me saying, and yeah, you can find us there. So what's check your, us out. Uh, so if the and if I'm if you, on Twitter too at George Fragopoulos. There we go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And if if uh, the the Philip Seymour Hoffman season is kind of coming to an what's your what's next predictions for? We've been following? talking. I don't
2: want to make any announcements yeah. now on the air because then we're gonna have give to like a, give us like some clues that we could tease maybe. Ooh, um, a superhero franchise.
0: Oh, really? I would like to request yeah. to be a guest on uh, one episode. Well,
2: you, I mean, there's definitely going to be opportunities. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're going to do, an, uh, of course, again, another deep dive into something. it nice. most likely be a superhero franchise. Nice. Oh, and, I got to know. Yeah, we're looking forward to it.
0: Excellent. Well, listen, uh, busting does make you feel good. So <laughs> I 100 uh, percent not like that. No like comments. Ghostbusters,
1: Ghost. you f- sick fucks. I was Shahir. on. The, I was on the podcast. You, okay. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> she
2: here was and he was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it made you and feel Synecdoche, good. Schenectady, uh, yeah. New York. Schenectady, New York. Yeah. Yes. Schenectady. <laughs> Schenectady is a place. Yeah. yeah. Schenectady yeah. is just Synecdoche the state of the mind. Yeah.
0: Okay, Uh, Shaheer, when you're not in Schenect... (laughs) ...there, where can folks find you?
1: You you can find me uh, reverberating through the echoes of time through a play, which is what that film is about, uh, on my website, and on on, uh, George's uh, podcast. uh, But uh, find me at uh, my website, www.shaheerdow.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, when you are not stealing the light for the people, where
0: can people find you? Oh, you can find me chained to that motherfucking rock over at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com my life and works. Also, scale to the number four. P or E Z on Instagram or Emperor M S K on Twitter. Yes, I did equate myself to the most selfless act of a type deity creature, and I'm I'm not sorry for it. Uh, also, please check out the good works over we're doing over at Extra Credits. We just are about to start our policing London series on Extra History, which is all about the formation of the London Police Force, and it starts with some seedy shit. Uh, also, check out Extra Mythology, of course, the Prometheus episodes, but right now we're actually doing uh, Heracles, the the twelve labors. Heracles. Nice. Heracles, uh, but we're doing it in the vein of a D&D campaign, and it's pretty <laughs> fucking fun. So please go check that out. Uh, yeah, next week we're gonna be back. Uh, hey, Shahir, I just have one question for you. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do you it. wanna build a snowman? Come on, let's play outside. <laughs> I don't know the words. Let it go. Let it go. go. Let Let it go. It go. Can... We're gonna go back to Frozen Smoke. Yeah, <laughs> Frozen 2. The next week with uh, uh, hopefully a special guest yeah, oh yes a teeny, uh, tiny, special a teeny tiny special guest a teeny tiny special guest right. uh, and we're not going to sing that yeah we are we'll talk to you then see ya bye bye. bye. so baby be a simple
2: be a simple man oh will not you do this for me,
0: if you can